We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. <laughs> Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen and James Anderson here with you. It is Thursday, December 1st. Uh, James, a lot to get to on the podcast today. Uh, we're going to talk some Timberwolves. We're going to talk some DeMarcus Cousins. We're going to talk about my guy, Lonzo Ball, talk a little Bucks. Uh, and then we'll finish out with our ranking of the five teams that are in the worst position for the next five years. So a lot of negativity on the podcast today, but first I wanted to ask, what do you have planned for the big Minnesota Vanderbilt game on Saturday? Uh, um, man, so much, so much going on. Uh, I think that's where everyone's eyes are going to be, right? right. On, on Saturday. Right. When you're looking that's... at the college basketball slate or the, the sports <laughs> slate overall sports on Saturday, <laughs> the one thing that jumps out is Gophers Commodores <laughs> in Minneapolis, I believe. Yeah, home game against the Commodores. Yeah. Um, honestly, could not name a player on either team. Is Ralph Sampson and still playing for Minnesota? No, he's not. Okay, uh, that was my only guess. So. <laughs> Hollins, is he one of those Hollins one guys? One of the Hollins, no. Both Maybe. Hollins are gone. Blake Hoffarber? Hoffarber's <laughs> gone. Yeah, Humphrey's kid, I think he's gone. Um, but let's, let's stick with Minnesota right away. Um, so the Timberwolves lost again last night. It was another one of those games where – you know, I feel like every time you check the box score, you know, on a given night and, and look at the Timberwolves, it's always like, 
wow, Towns had 47 and 18 last night. How did they lose this game? And a lot of the other times it's, oh, Towns went for 30 and 10. Wiggins went for 25. Levine went for 22. Like the numbers, like the box score looks really great. And then you see that they're not playing defense or something is amiss with this team. Uh, they're now 5-13. and 13. I think we're beyond the point where it's just kind of a little bit of a slow start. I mean, you're losing to a team like the Knicks at home, and the Knicks aren't a terrible team by any means, but if you compare you know, the expectations for the Timberwolves uh, compared to the expectations for a team like New York coming into the year, not a great loss, and we've seen these kind of losses start to mount for Minnesota. Uh, so the question is, do they have to make a move, and is that move something with Zach Levine? Uh I don't think they have to make a move. I think that Tom Thibodeau, you know, one of the one of the issues with having the coach also be the GM is that you could see a guy's frustrations as a coach possibly bleeding into his decisions as the GM. So you would worry maybe that he would make a move that might not be in the best interest of the franchise long term just because he's sick of dealing with all these losses and thinks that he can upgrade the product in one fell swoop. Uh, we, we were talking, you know, a lot about potential Levine destinations. I'd love to see, like, as a fan of Levine's game, I'd love to see him get out of Minnesota just because I, I want to see him as at least a number two option on a team. Uh, I wouldn't even mind seeing him in a, in a situation where he could possibly – uh, turn into the number one option you know I, I think somewhere like you know Boston um, I don't know I mean are, are we sure that Towns and Wiggins are firmly ahead of him for the future like is there any chance that he could become the number two over Wiggins I think I think we can agree that Towns is locked in as like you know their number one guy so I I think that Wiggins and Levine should be considered a lot closer than they are I think they should be considered almost 2A, 2B, and, you know, reasonable minds could disagree, but I'm in the clear minority, I think, at least in terms of basketball Twitter, uh, just general, like, beat writers across the league. It seems everyone always says, you know, Towns and Wiggins, and they either don't mention Levine or they kind of throw him in. Uh, So I I think the Timberwolves are probably in that same mind, Uh, but but to me it's, you know, if if you couldn't get – the right package for a guy like Levine Wiggins wouldn't be untouchable to me because I think that you're looking at a guy right now who you could probably get almost any player that's not you know I think the list of players that you couldn't trade Wiggins for might be less than 10 and yeah it's just you know if you if you can bring a guy in who especially as a, as a big-time two-way player. That's what they need the most, I think. I mean, their their offense is not the problem. Uh, their defense, even with Thibodeau, is, is still uh, really bad. And you would think it wouldn't be that bad, considering the, the guys they have on their roster, but it is. I mean, if you could trade a guy like Wiggins, and I brought this up on Twitter for a guy like Paul George, I think that makes them better today. I mean, it would, it would help if Paul George was healthy, obviously. I think that would make them a better team this year. I think it would make them a better team uh, throughout the length of those two guys' deals, which I, which I believe are both uh, for two more years after this year. At least there's a player option on George's. Right. Two more for George after this year. Um, well, the thing with Wiggins, though, is 
you know, you have, you kind of have to make a decision, you know, next summer, you know, he's, you know, that Mm -hmm. crop of guys, him, Jabari Parker, you know, other players from that draft, this is the year, you know, where you can sign that early max and kind of like what Giannis signed with with the Bucks a couple months ago. So like Minnesota has to make that decision. And then, you know, the summer after is when Levine would theoretically come up. And then the summer after that is Towns. Like, I mean, it's still early having this threesome together, you know, a season and basically what a quarter Mm -hmm. or so. Um, I mean, I think it's way too early to say we're sure they can't work together, but at the same time, you know, the, you kind of if you if you're you want to be able to make this decision, I think as early as possible to maximize yeah. the return you could get for one of these guys if you decide to trade them. I don't think they have to, but no. it's just very interesting to kind of you know theorize about. So I I asked on Twitter like Andrew Wiggins for Paul George, who says no, and it was seventy five percent the wolves or seventy percent the wolves say no, thirty percent the Pacers say no. Uh, so I mean that just sort that's of that's interesting to me. Yeah, I I thought it was too. That just sort of tells you how high people are on Wiggins. You like, want George, right? I mean, I get he's twenty six. That's a you know that's what five years George. older than Wiggins. I'm, but still, to me, I would take Paul George if I if like I thought, you know, if I thought medically he was fine. Um, mm-hmm. I'd I'd take George because I I don't think. I think it's a less than fifty percent chance Wiggins is ever as good as George was, and I'm a I'm a big Wiggins fan. Right. I just don't I don't know why you're so you know locked into this core and unwilling to break it up. When I mean honestly, this is a time when this core should be starting to take off, and right. it it doesn't. I don't love the way the pieces fit. I think there is some uh, Harden and OKC parallels in terms of it's just you're never going to be able to max it out with these three guys being the three guys because to me that like they all need the ball Mm -hmm. and only Towns is a plus defender well that's the thing is you might you might be able to have all these three guys play together and you get 80 percent of Towns 80 percent of Wiggins 80 percent of Levine which like in the grand scheme of things is that better than getting 100 percent Towns and 100 percent Wiggins together you know like and having that uncertainty in the fourth quarter exactly and like it's hard to argue that you know OKC got better after they traded Harden because I don't think they necessarily did, but they probably got better from a flow standpoint. You know, just how the rotations work, how you know how, like you said, end of game situations. Like you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen, and I guess in Minnesota it's such a, a weird situation because all three of these guys are developing basically on the same timeline. They're all you know kind of on the upswing, and I kind of view like T- Towns as the Durant, and I think. Like Wiggins is the Westbrook and Levine's the Harden. Yeah. Where like Wiggins, like Durant's going to be fine. Like you could have Durant with Harden. You could have Durant yep. with Westbrook. Uh, you could Durant's I mean, the guy, or Towns is the guy that you could put yeah, on any like, team, and right. he's the man. You, I don't think you were ever going to be able to have Harden and Westbrook work, and I don't mm-hmm. think you were ever going to be able to. Ha- I don't. I don't know necessarily if you're ever going to be able to have Levine and Wiggins work, uh, just right. because they're skill sets are too similar what's well, the thing is like right right now even if you put you go throw russell westbrook on on the rockets like he, he's not just going to average 12 assists alongside harden's 12 assists like it doesn't work like that you can't just build a fantasy roster um and and i think in some ways that's kind of what this minnesota roster resembles um so let's let's talk hypothetical deals then like you think i think wiggins for george is interesting i do wonder though like does george resign there after two years you, I know you've mentioned to me like, does Wiggins resign there after his rookie deals up? Like in theory, maybe not. You know, it doesn't necessarily make the most sense. You know, if he could 
going going to a better situation. I don't I don't know that there's necessarily a better like talent situation mm-hmm. considering all we've been talking about, but market, et cetera. Uh, the thing is, we went back and you know, we had this discussion. We look back all the way. I think I went back to the 2000 draft. Like, there's no example of like a of a successful rookie mm-hmm. uh, or you know first few years player like Wiggins not signing that early max. It's just just kind of a given, right? And I think I think the, I think that's right. I, I think uh, you know the CBA like aspects of that can kind of change. Paul George to me would you know, maybe you would get him to sort of agree to some sort of extension before doing the deal. But even if you didn't, to me, like that, what what more, what better situation could you ask for if you're Paul George than to mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, the, never have to worry about being the, the, the power forward. You can, you can play the three. Uh, you can kind of dominate uh just the way that you you always have with with a with a big man like, I mean it would just be kind of like a better situation of what he's already in in, in Indiana and and with a better coach I, I think he would uh, be silly to not resign there as well. Uh, the obviously the Jimmy Butler Levine one is is one mm-hmm. we talked about. Uh, interesting to kind of look back on that and and see whether both sides are are happy that that didn't happen. I think the Bulls are happy. <laughs> yeah, the Bulls are happy. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't, so we kind of agreed that that's probably off the table now, yes. at least on the bulls end. So what, if we were just talking about Levine trades, what would be on the table? Like, well, what, let's say, what does Minnesota want? Exactly. They want a sl- I think they want a veteran and by veteran, I don't mean, you know, a 35 year old. I think they want a slightly more veteran player than Levine. Uh, somebody who's still well in their prime. Like Paul George fits the bill. Jimmy Butler fits the bill to a T. You know, we've heard rumors that Tibbs wants, you know, one of his type of guys, somebody he's familiar with, a, a defensive-minded player. Like Butler, in retrospect, I think the, the Timberwolves probably wish they would have explored that a little bit more, that that hypothetical draft night deal that was floating around. I think you need a star. Like if, if George is going to buy into this theoretical situation, he needs to accept, like, okay, I can't just be the man all the time. Like, in Indiana, he's got a pretty good situation. Like, he's the number one guy. Everybody knows it. But that the ceiling on your team is only so high in that situation. In Minnesota, he wouldn't necessarily be the undisputed number one guy because you'd still have Towns, and, and theoretically you'd still have Levine and or Wiggins. Um, See, so I think he'd kind of need to be in that, all right, I'm done being this number one guy. I just want to get a ring phase of his career. And, I don't, like, there just aren't that many guys who you can put – you know, into that mold. I mean, do you think they could? Does Does Levine for Millsap do anything? Yeah, I mean, I think that leaves a little bit of a void at shooting guard. I think maybe you'd, maybe Wiggins is the guy there, but does, Millsap's expiring. Like that. that does doesn't Levine really work. for like Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley? That do something. That's what's maybe more interesting to me. Instead of a straight one for one, you know, superstar for superstar, uh, because of the money involvement there. Like I, I think maybe. Yeah, bringing back pieces like that, you know, you could make the, you could pretty much build a similar trade with the Nuggets. You could build a similar-ish trade with Phoenix. Uh, but I just, what timeline is Minnesota on? Like, do they want, do they want to bring in a guy who can turn this season around and then try to get them into the playoffs? Because if not, and you're trying to build for the future, I don't know that you can do a whole lot better well, than Levine you, and Wiggins. You you might just be best served waiting until the off season right because if this team at, finishes this bottom pace, seven you're you're fine you don't even right. have to try to tank i mean the way that they're blowing games well that's the so. thing then you can then you can have that pick as right. another asset 
you know, I don't know that Minnesota wants to add another like high upside rookie to this core. Like, obviously, you want to increase your talent as much as possible, but can you really, can you really start, you know, building or developing another guy who fits this kind of similar <laughs> timeline? Like, I don't know. They're already stretched too thin with three. Like, you throw Darren Fox under this team, or you throw Ivan Rab on this team. Like, yeah, that's great, but I don't know how much better that makes you in the short term. I mean, what about your boy Lonzo Ball? Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball doesn't need the ball. Ironically enough, he doesn't. He took three. <laughs> he took three shots last night uh, in in the game. I, I was, it was one of those CS schools, CS Northridge or CS yeah. something. Uh, two for three shooting, thirteen assists, and one turnover. I I love Lonzo Ball. I the thing is, like, is he kind of redundant with Chris Dunn in some ways? I think he's better than Chris Dunn. Uh, but you know, it's like him, Rubio, and Dunn are all this pass-first mold of point guard. Is Dunn? Dunn's just like a. I don't know what kind of mold of point guard he is, but it's not. <laughs> we haven't really like, seen it yet. Rubio's definitely like Rubio seems like a poor man's Lonzo Ball at this point. Like Lonzo Ball is a way better athlete. He's two inches taller. Um, he's a better shooter. So far, we'll see. Do you, do you think he's just gonna hit a wall and like finally his form is gonna catch up to him or what? I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I just, just don't think that the sample size is big enough for us to say that he's definitely at 40%. Well, the thing about like, Rubio doesn't even shoot college, it. Like, right. ball just ball will just catch and fire from like five feet behind the line. Like, ball ball also hasn't gone through like the uh, mental trauma that Rubio has in terms of his confidence with his shot. Sam Mitchell, right? Like, like Rubio is so in his head with his shot at this oh, point yeah. that like it, well there's a video like, you can see in that game last night brandon jennings was on rubio and he rubio was out on the wing on the three-point line and jennings backed all the way down to the block yeah like and that's how you can defend rubio and he didn't think he didn't even think twice about it and Lonzo it ball off. thinks he's a good shooter uh so statistically he is a good shooter so that he's got that going for him i mean okay. co- confidence is important all right other possible deal what about cj mccollum um, not a great defender, so who knows what Tibbs thinks there. Could, theoretically, could be a decent defender. It's not. I don't think he's like an effort guy you really worry about. See, like Levine is the one where, like, theoretically, he should be a great defender. Oh, you but, would think, um, yeah. I mean, Wiggins, he's, he's that's why him mm-hmm. and Wiggins are just so similar in that. Uh, I don't know why... I don't know why... I mean, I th- it seems like you're just kind of... Sp- yeah. flipping out sort of basically the same guy and right I, think, I feel like both teams probably like their guy more i think so yeah i think that's fair um gordon hayward uh huh that's interesting um i think utah would have to consider that if only because they might not have a superstar on their roster right or I don't know if anyone on their roster has as much upside mm-hmm. as Levine, and you're never going to win a title if you just have a bunch of like number threes all on the same team, which yep. kind of looks like what they have exactly. right now. I think Levine has the highest upside in that team immediately. Wiggins is the same yeah. way. And you're not necessarily lose like you can have Rodney Hood step into the the Hayward spot mm-hmm. and you can do I mean that 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 becomes very interesting, like a long term core of of like Exum, Levine, Hood, Lyles, Favors, Gobert. That's pretty very, solid. Very interesting. Um, There's issues with the contract. Hayward can be a free agent after this year, so mm-hmm. I mean maybe that would be like a, almost a sign and trade in the off season. I don't. I mean, need, there's roadblocks. I think but. that would that would really 
help the the Timberwolves offense. Yeah. I don't know if it helps their defense. I mean, Hayward's a, probably a better defender than Levine at this point. Not, right. not saying a ton, but uh, their offense might go from I think what is it like top five or top ten right now? It might go even higher than that with mm-hmm. with him on there because he actually passes, whereas right. Wiggins and Levine don't really pass. Yeah, I think he would be a really really nice second option to Towns, uh, and then you'd still have one of those other guys theoretically. Um, who else? I mean, is that is that kind of it? I mean, that, it's when, I you're, when you're talking these superstar trades, there. like it's yeah. just how it works. There's just not that much. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you could try to, if if you want to go with like a few lesser guys instead of one big guy. I mean, maybe you look at like Nick Batum and I don't know, like Zeller or something like that. I I don't. I mean, there you'd really have to talk Minnesota into doing that. I think. Yeah. Uh, I that. Yeah, I mean Nick Batum and Nick Batum and something might might make some sense on both ends, just because mm-hmm. you know the 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 Hornets aren't going anywhere either anytime soon with with their current core, so that right. that becomes interesting. Okay, um, so we talked about Levine, we talked about Wiggins, Demarcus Cousins, uh, recently publicly and mostly tongue in cheek, I think, uh, chilling for John Wall to come to Sacramento. Like, if there are two superstars who are really actually I wouldn't even say on the trade block because I don't know I don't know that either of their teams want them traded but superstars who you could theoretically see traded and it wouldn't be all that much of a surprise I mean this this Minnesota stuff is more hypothetical it's probably Cousins and Wall college teammates good friends um Cousins seems like the more likely at this point just because we've had this discussion now for it seems like the fifth straight year um where is it most likely that Cousins would go um, and I also want to talk about this whole belief that you don't want to trade him in conference. I don't, we'll, we'll, we'll table that for now, I guess. But where is it most likely that DeMarcus Cousins would go? Celtics is the obvious one. Lakers? Uh, the Lakers, I would, even, I, I might even say that might be more obvious than the, the Celtics just because of the Brad Stevens angle that you hear. Uh, Zach Lowe basically said Stevens would want no part of having Cousins on his team. So uh, to me, that becomes a hard sell internally. I mean, the, the Celtics are definitely one of those organizations that uh, believes in you know having a top-down approach. And if if one of the key guys isn't on board with it, I don't I don't necessarily think they would they would go for it. Uh, I'm not sure if the Nuggets have enough in terms of you know, appealing enough assets for, for them to really make a strong push unless, like, the price tag is just lower than what we think it should be. I think that the Lakers, to me, really might be the the best option uh, for all sides. I think so, too. Um, you know, the Boston thing, like you said, the, the disagreement maybe between... Phoenix, I guess, if they wanted yeah. to get really crazy. Well, the thing... So, I mean, Cousins, if you're the Kings, he kind of gets less and less valuable with each passing month, right? I mean, right. you're, you're yeah. assuming that he's hitting the market after next season, uh, which he will. He's an unrestricted free agent. You know, your your guaranteed games of DeMarcus Cousins go down every time the Kings play. So, you know, I, I think certain teams would want to get him earlier. Like, if you're the Lakers, you're still on a little bit of a longer-term trajectory, and you're the Lakers, and whether this is true or not, you probably believe that you could sign him in 2018 to a long extension 
a team like Phoenix trading for Cousins, like what are the odds you can keep him after that? Like not all that great. I mean, you kind of have to believe in yourself that he'll buy into the culture that he's playing in for a year, a year and a half, whatever it is when you would make that deal. The Lakers just makes the most sense. I mean, what would you be willing to give up if you're L.A.? Um, I just – I. it's going to be so different for me than it would be for them because they have a lot more faith probably in them themselves in terms of being able to re-sign him. I don't think it's as obvious. Like, I don't I don't think, with, you know, without uh, – with Dr. Buss's children running the operation, I think that there's a definite drop-off in terms of – how much faith you should have in th- that Lakers organization keeping a guy like DeMarcus Cousins around. Uh, so I I would try to get him with a with a Randall Clarkson draft pick type of package. I know that that might seem a little light, but I think if you're not really bidding against anything better, then mm-hmm. it's not that light. Like if if the Celtics. You would think that if the Celtics wanted him, he'd be on the Celtics right now. Right. Right? Like they they're have, one of those teams that would want to They have get the him assets early. to get him. And, right. And if, if the if the Kings were willing to trade him and the Celtics wanted him, that, that deal is tough to beat mm-hmm. for anyone. I don't I just don't know why you would want to throw a guy like Brandon Ingram in there when you have Ingram, like you were saying with the whole Wiggins thing, you basically have Ingram for the next what, seven or eight years? In theory, yeah. yeah. And you have Cousins for for maybe the next six years, but maybe just the next year plus. And to me, Ingram is a guy who, if, you're, if you trade him now, you're selling extremely low. I think that his this is as low as his value is ever going to be in mm-hmm. the NBA. So I, I'm not on team include Ingram. I'd, I'd do it. It's Boogie Cousins. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to get this yeah, guy. Yeah, man, he he wins games, doesn't he? All all the games. He wins. Look he wins games with Rudy and Rajon Rondo is the second best player. I mean, do you think like, do you think bringing Boogie into this Lakers mix is just? Oh man, this is gonna this is gonna go great now. Like, it, there's a chance that it could just screw everything up. Like, he could true ruin all the the mojo they have right yeah. now. No, that is true. He's, he's not a Luke Walton type of player. Like, like Luke Walton. We've also only seen him play for terrible coaches in a terrible organization. He's not the type of guy that I would like. If I'm if I'm thinking of the type of player that Luke Walton's going to be able to reach, like to me, D'Angelo Russell is like that type, that perfect type of player that Luke Walton's going to be able to reach. Whereas Boogie, I don't know what type of coaching he necessarily responds to. Maybe like. None Cal- so Calipari far. Calipari is like right. the closest, but like. But he was also 18 back then. You know. Sure. I just. I don't think it's a lock that if you bring in Boogie, like you're all of a sudden this team plus the greatness of Boogie. I think that yeah. that, that could potentially uh, regress some of the development of some of the, the younger players they have. So I, I'm I not, think that's fair. And I, I just like I like the way they're growing right now. You have you have Randall Ingram Russell plus you know I think they probably fall out of the playoffs this year. You get another lottery pick, hopefully. If you're them, and then you still have that that cap space, like you're still LA, you can still make a run at. You at could just sign Boogie guys. in a year and a half. That's the other thing. Right. That's yeah. I, I yeah. was saying that too. Um, what about what about the Lakers and Paul George? And again, I don't think the Pacers want to trade Paul George. They've made that pretty clear. Paul George is an LA guy. He went to Fresno State. Like, would you flip? 
Would you flip like Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle for Paul George? Um, is he a Walden guy? Like, is that different? It's just so hard because I, I, it seems like you're you're getting greedy. Like you're trying to jump jump the rebuild like mm-hmm. two three pegs like on the ladder when you're going at a nice pace right now and and just like with boogie like paul george is an la guy like you you could sign him very realistically you could just bring him there when he's a free agent and at that point you have another couple young pieces uh russell and ingram are that much better maybe like when you sign a guy like paul george you sign boogie cousins as a free agent they're like the final piece of the puzzle whereas right now like these are very important developmental years for that young core and i don't think you like i'm a big believer in not trading players where you're not sure what you have in them yet mm-hmm. and at this point i don't think you have any idea what you have in brandon ingram yeah. like if no you, that's true if you trade brandon ingram right now it could look really good it could right. look really bad there are exceptions too i mean you know the the Cavs didn't know what they had in wiggins when they traded him for love but that was also well, a LeBron, extreme LeBron win didn't now know what he had in wiggins until no. lebron traded him for love exactly sure <laughs> excuse me i misspoke uh <laughs> But right, I mean, you that was a different situation. That was like, we're winning right now. Like the Lakers, it's such an un-Lakers thing to do, but they kind of have this this window where they're able to rebuild. And I think if you're a Lakers fan or if, if you're in the Lakers organization, like the way things are going right now, you can't be disappointed. It's like, yeah, you're losing basically every every other one of your games. But like considering who you have on the court and what happened the last two seasons, like this this is so much better than that. Really quick on that, that Love-Wiggins trade, like basically – until the past, I don't know, two or three weeks, to me it's been a slam dunk that you'd rather have Wiggins than Love if you're the Cavs. Do you think they win the title last year with Wiggins and they get there two years ago with Wiggins? Because that's what it really they, matters. I think they get there two years ago with Wiggins for sure. Um, I mean, do you think they get there even if like neither of those guys are on the team just because of LeBron? Probably. Yeah. But... Um, what did Love really do? I, I know. I mean, obviously the stop. Uh, you know, that was big. But what did like? What was he doing throughout that playoff run last year that Wiggins would have failed at necessarily? That's a good point. I mean, you could argue he's a better defender. And and Love wasn't strongly threes in the playoffs last year. At least not the way he is now. And no, and well, Wiggins, he was until like the Eastern Conference Finals. But they wouldn't have mattered. You know, they like, were winning those series yeah, no like, matter w- what. Wiggins was hitting threes in the second half last year. Wiggins uh, would have really, you know, theoretically helped them be even a even a. It's totally. Do- I mean, if they have Wiggins, like, do they even trade for Jr. and do they get Jumper? Like, who knows? I don't know, but I'm I'm just opening the door now for yeah. Like, based on how Love's playing right now, I'm it looks like a wash. Honestly, like both okay. sides won. Right, the Cavs got their title. They got to the finals twice. Minnesota has a really nice yeah. second option, like really, really I'm, good. I'm second basically option. saying I'm willing to stop giving the Cavs crap for that okay. trade because of it how worked out. Good love's looking right now. Right, good trade for both sides. Uh, let's talk quickly about John Wall. The Wizards, like I said, we're going to talk about five teams in the five worst positions. The Wizards are probably going to be in there for me. I'm still deciding on my fourth team as we speak, <laughs> but yikes. Um, they're in a really tough spot. Yeah, they they need to blow it up. They're not in. Uh, you know, I, I'm sometimes in favor of teams going uh, with the rebuild that is, you know, a little quicker. Not necessarily the Philadelphia 76ers type of rebuild, but 
to me, Washington has a great opportunity to cash in a chip in John Wall right now. And then we were just talking hypothetically, like maybe you, you get Boston involved in this somehow. I think Brad Stevens would love to have John Wall. Uh, you get at least one of those Brooklyn picks and, you know, whatever pieces you want to, to accompany that. And then you're talking about the Wizards are definitely going to be picking in the top ten both of the next two years, kind of for the foreseeable future. And then you get another top ten pick from the Nets. So all of a sudden you've had you got three top ten picks, maybe four top ten picks if you can convince them to give you two. Uh, that's what they need. That's I like mean, that's that's all you really need right there. Those four picks plus Ubre plus Porter plus Beal. Yep. Like that's all you need. They're basically in the same spot as the Kings, where you have the one blue chip asset and then nothing else. Although they have Beal, but him being to on me, that contract the, and to the me, they're injuries. in a better spot than the Kings. Cause, yeah, because not by King, much, but yeah, because the like. A guy like Otto Porter on the Kings would be easily their second best asset. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, I mean, still the same point though. I mean, you have these, you have this horribly unbalanced roster where you have a blue chip guy, kind of a a B plus asset guy in in Beal, and then it just there's just a drop off. Like if Kelly Oubre is like your selling point, like he's not, he's like barely in the rotation. Um, Like there's just nothing after that, and you have to have that depth. You know, like you'd much rather be. Um, you know, Philly, certainly, like by far over over Washington right now. Even like I would much rather be the Suns, the Nuggets, teams like that. Um I think the Pelicans are kinda in that same group with Washington where you have a couple pieces that you like and then just drops off after that. But you just if you can turn it or if you think you can turn it around, you have to do it now because Wall's gone after two more years. Also, you you wonder if part of the reason they haven't blown it up yet is because the GM is basically getting canned. Yeah. Like, you're not keeping him around to f- see through this whole rebuild, right? Like, I can't imagine, no. no. So, it, it's, it might be they fire, was it Ernie Grunfeld, the, the GM there right now? He, he's something, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Grunfeld's the GM there right now. You, you fire him. Confirmed. And then the new guy yeah. is the one that starts the rebuild. Yeah. So, I mean, Boston's interesting for Wall. We talked about this a little bit at, at lunch today, and it's like, could you could you keep Isaiah Thomas and Wall? I don't think so, but maybe. Um, it's like, w- would you do it if you're Boston? Do you give up a Brooklyn pick and Isaiah Thomas for Wall? Is that too much? You could argue. They would make the argument Isaiah Thomas is as good as John Wall. I think that's an insane argument. And they I would make it, though. They would. I think the so. Celtics would. I think. I think they I would. Think they would the point Celtics to the numbers and that. say, "Look, these guys are very comparable." No, I don't think it's true, but they would say that. Um, I think if I was them, I would try to keep Thomas. I know that that seems like you're there aren't enough basketballs to go around for Isaiah Thomas and John Wall. Uh, to me, if you have John Wall, you no longer need Marcus Smart on your team at all. Um, I, I think that that's. To me, that's where that's where you get your your player and your picks is, is yep. Marcus Smart, and you could probably talk the Wizards into to rolling the dice there. Maybe you throw in a big man, Zeller or whatever. What um, about Minnesota? Rubio and Levine for Wall. Um, Dunn and Levine for Wall. That's 
well, the tough thing about that is like to me, Levine and Beal are just so. Oh yeah, like, I mean that would be. Well, I mean, there's there's probably a team out there that thinks he can run the one. That would be insane. I mean, um, Minnesota thought it for a while. Yeah, like I I actually was thinking about the Wizards when we were talking about Levine destinations, and you just you need like Levine and Beal. Right, and no they, team is taking back Brad Beal. Right. Uh, that's just that not on the you, table. You locked him up, and you're stuck with him now. So yeah. it's, it's basically you trade John Wall, or you don't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at other teams right now, and there's not there's just not a ton out there that would make sense. And I think we maybe give teams the benefit of the doubt that they would think rationally, but we also have to take into account that teams don't always do that, and certain teams value guys higher than others. I mean, like, looking back, the Harden deal looks so wildly lopsided, but at the time it was like, oh, Jeremy Lamb, like, that guy's he's the cornerstone of this deal. Could you see the magic, like, doing something Yes, they need to. Where, like, they give... A guy like Aaron Gordon and I don't know, like Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton for John Wall, something like that. Would I mean? Would you take that if you're the Wizards? If you're if you're Orlando and you can get that deal, do it like immediately, right now. What, would, what about I'm still what high about on, Ibaka? I'm still high on Aaron Gordon. Ibaka and Payton, or Ibaka and Gordon. They have too many big men. Who plays? Well, I'm saying Gordon is. The guy that they're that Washington they're wants? not letting play his position right yeah. now. Um, but like, I don't see why Washington. If Orlando's would, smart, they clear spot for Gordon, not get rid of him. But I don't. What What does Washington want with any of their other big men? Probably nothing. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the issue. So okay, it's tougher than it looks, I guess. Um, I still think Goran Dragic to the Spurs is happening at some point. Do I have any reason to believe that outside of my own volition? No, not um, at all. But I think it's happening. We one of us should text Dejounte and and see if yeah. he'd be willing to to go play would. in South Beach. I think he'd be. Who wouldn't I think be? he'd be down? Yeah, I think I think you could do Murray, <laughs> Kyle Anderson, and like a couple picks. It's also it would also David be Lee. very unspursy of them to like. When was the last time they traded for a guy of Dragic's caliber? Uh, I'm trying to think of how they how do they get Richard Jefferson back today? <laughs> I mean like no I mean they, they really traded for like Stephen Jackson I mean technically they traded for Kawhi as a pick yeah. like they that was a pretty big deal like, like they a, traded their starting point guard for this San Diego State kid that nobody really knew that right. much about uh yeah I mean well the, like the Jason Kidd trade was close back in the day right um yeah this would just be kind of like a poor man's version of that right very poor getting, but like what what do you do so like Dragic gets traded to the Spurs. What happens? What's like Tony Parker's role? Then? I think like he, it's just more of like a six. Yeah, I mean, what is he playing right now? Like 22, okay. 23? I mean, I think it's kind of those two. I mean, Parker's like sitting, you know, certain games anyway and back to backs. Like, I, I, you also have to remember it's the Spurs and like the normal rules of like players getting mad about playing time just like don't apply. I mean, Parker's PER is like three points below league average. He's He's averaging 26 minutes on the season. So. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't played in two of the last six games. I think it would work. Like, I think I think Drogic would just probably be happy to be there. And they would be somehow, even with Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard, they would somehow just be a train wreck defensively in the postseason. I don't know yeah, how. Yeah, they like, would. I mean, right, they're such a train wreck defensively in the front court right now with, with yeah. Powell and Lee. The, oh the Powell, the Lee, LaMarcus, Drogic. Like. LaMarcus is not a good defender. He's better than he was, but he's not a good defender. No, no he's not. Okay. Um... We we can skip Lonzo Ball talk. I already touched on him. I really wanted to get to it, but Kentucky plays UCLA well, let on me Saturday. Just, let me just ask I'm you. I'm so excited. Uh, so Jay Billis makes uh, Jason Kidd comp on Lonzo Ball. 
Like he yeah. he doesn't even like say it with any like he's Jason Kidd, but like taller, but like this. That. I think he said not just because he looks like, like Jason Kidd, which does he really look like Jason Kidd all that much? No, I don't know. But, I don't remember Jason but, Kidd with hair. But like he's like he's Jason Kidd, and it's like. I mean, I get the passing part of it. That's it, though. Right. Like, there's no other part of... He's a great rebounder. Physically, but they're different. Right. Like, you Well, know, it's like, it's... who's physically, he's like Michael Carter-Williams or Sean Livingston. Michael Carter-Williams is a really good physical comp for him. He's um, more athletic, though. He's like, Carter-Williams was always kind of lanky and never like a great athlete. He was just, he was like fast he's... for his size, but like... Lonzo Ball like, gets up like they run they run like that backdoor alley oop play for him twice a game like there's not many point guards who can do that. Okay, so I got into this with um, Dennis Smith, but like so scale of like one to ten, how good of an athlete is Lonzo Ball in your opinion? I mean, like on what scale? Like relative like, to me, like ten 12, is ten 20. is Russell Westbrook. Okay, uh, Chris Eight. Paul's like a like like most athletic version of Chris Paul is like a five. And what is he like an eight and a half? He's okay. not Russ, but no. like he get, he gets up for a point guard. He's like he's like awesome on D as far as blocking shots and things like that. Eight and a half. Okay, that's that's so that so I haven't seen as much of him as you have. Um, I know that coming into college, he wasn't supposed to be that good of an athlete. No, I think he was supposed to be more of like a six or a seven. Right. Uh, so he does remind me of Dragic a little bit, and I know we just talked about him, so maybe it's fresh, but like. That type of guy, like he can score when he needs to. Like, you know, you look at the box score last night: thirteen assists, took three shots. But it's not like he's not the guy who you can just back off of. You know, like it's not like he's just not shooting. That was more of just like a, I don't need to shoot. You know, he was two of three from the field. Like you can't just back off of him. He just chose not to shoot. So, like, okay, so my my updated top ten. Uh, I put I had Lonzo Ball a week ago. I had him at number nine. I moved him up to number six. I'm guessing you'd have him higher. Like, who who would you take ahead of Alonzo Ball right now? Vito Brown, Nigel Hayes, <laughs> probably Ethan Happ. I mean, he looked great there. No, um, there's not that many right now. I mean, he's top three for me. I think Fultz and Smith are still in the conversation. Once we see, I moved him ahead of Smith. Yeah, he's been more impressive. He's been the most impressive player of all those guys so far. I think. I mean, Fultz's numbers have been really good. Um, but he also is on a completely different situation. Uh, it is also worth noting. Would you take him over Josh Jackson? Uh, I, yeah, I, well, right now, yeah. I think I'll probably end up swapping on that. I want. I just want to see more of Josh Jackson. Like I'm, He seems like he'll I'm need... in on ja- I, I moved Jackson to number one and Fultz number two, and there's literally no statistical reason to have done that, except that I just well, – there's something about Jackson when I watch him. Like I just see yeah. just a very, very special – uh, combination of he of much skills. much like, like I, Wiggins, I think he'll be better in the NBA game. Like just having that the open court, and, like things are just different. But he's all and he's already doing stuff that like he's not the kind of tour de force score that Wiggins was at times. Like when you know there would be games at, at Kansas when Wiggins would just go off and. Uh, he hasn't really had any games like that yet, but he's doing just like little things that Wiggins just never did and like can't do even now. Um, so I, I, there's something special there to me. And when you look across the league, and you look at like who's like a, a franchise player, to me it's, um, I mean, there's just as many as 
just as many wings as point guards. And I think to me, the wings are, are always, I always kind of give them the edge. Like I take like a Durant over uh, a Westbrook or, you know, LeBron, Kawhi, like those are, those are the types of guys that well, I Well, yeah, I mean, I look at, start my you always with. hear the argument, like when's the last time the best player on a championship team has been a point guard? I mean, Curry, like but like before Curry, that, yeah. that you'd had to go back to right. uh, like Chauncey Billups, basically. Yeah, and even him, it was like you could. There was Made like four Benwell, players yeah. on that team that you could argue. Yeah, so I mean, Curry's the exception just because of the ridiculous shooting ability. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I think I think you want that star wing if you have that choice. So yeah, I mean, in some combination, I think Jackson, Fultz, and Ball are one, two, three for me, and you could kind of scramble those. I think that's I'm I, I that's what I was expecting your top three to be. I still Good. have. Uh, Nick Kalina uh, from France and Jason Tatum and Jonathan Isaac over ball. Have you seen what Jonathan Isaac's been doing at Florida Yeah, I've, I actually kind of watched up on him over Thanksgiving. He, he's he's pretty interesting because he's, he's really interesting. He's like huge <laughs> and yeah. he is Moves long really well. and he shoots it and uh, very, very interesting player. Can't wait to actually you know, watch a, watch a full game of his. Mm-hmm. Um, Briefly on Dennis Smith, I think he's – it's interesting because he. I think he's, like, number two on Draft Express and maybe NBA Draft.net, too, and I think he's number four on ESPN. Uh, but, like, he's not even close to as famous at this point as no. Josh Jackson, Fultz, Ball, uh, even Harry Giles and Jason Tatum, who haven't played, I think, are more well-known names right. than Dennis Smith, and, and Smith is projected to go – as high or higher than than those guys, and uh, just really interesting point guard, six three, hundred ninety five pounds. I think he's uh, an above average athlete. He sometimes yes. gets labeled well as above average, an elite athlete. The only times you ever really kind of see that is he has just a, a crazy burst when he gets into the lane that that helps him sort of separate. But he's not really using his athleticism. Uh, rebounding or on defense uh it just it doesn't it kind of go it comes and goes a little bit Mm -hmm. i don't i don't think he's anywhere near that 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 westbrook uh derrick rose and like his straight line speed it's not it's not elite for for a point guard you know it's just kind of above average and you know really good dribbler really good handles uh really good finisher has a pretty advanced mid-range game right now can't shoot uh, from three the way that Fultz and Ball can, at least by the numbers. He's below 30%, while those guys are both ab- uh, above 40%. But I think he kind of settles into that sort of Chris Paul range from three where mm-hmm. he he can hit you know 36 37%. The problem is he's taking as many as Fultz and Ball right now, which is kind of concerning because I know he's doing it to try to show NBA teams that he can oh, shoot, yeah. but like – I guarantee you those NBA teams would be more impressed if he wasn't taking those shots and was just using the tools that are already developed to dominate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're going to be shooting it that much, you better be making it at a, at a solid clip, and he's right. not doing it right now. Um, passing, I think he's he's okay, but he reminds me of Westbrook where it's sort of an obligation to him. Like yes. he's. He's just at home when he's scoring, and when he's passing, it's just kind of like, well, I'm the point guard. I have to kind of do this, uh, and he's definitely a point guard. Like, I'm not saying he's a shooting guard, but he, that's he, he's not he doesn't have that like gift for passing that a guy like Lonzo Ball mm-hmm. does. 
and then, you know, defense, defensively, he just didn't seem that interested. And he might be a little bo- bored right now, which I would understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was at NC State and I was, you know, eight months away from being taken in the top ten of the NBA draft, I'd be pretty bored too. But uh, I think that that's going to be the make or break thing for him on draft day because if there's a team in the top five that looks at him as a guy that's going to uh, – put in work on defense and be a plus defender there, then I definitely see a case for him going uh, that high. But if the teams picking in that range think that he might be more of just an offense first type of guy, I don't see the offensive ceiling being uh, where it needs to be for him to go in mm-hmm. the top five. So I think that's that's going to be the big key for him. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit more flawed, I guess, than I than I thought he would be coming out. But like you said, still early. You know, what, Where is the motivation at this point? We don't know. I think he's a guy that could rise a lot. Like if he if he goes on national TV and puts up like 35 against North Carolina or against Duke in the conference season, he'll become a household name pretty quickly. But like he's also a guy that could not I could not see him falling out of the top 10. Like it would, no, it would take no, a no. disastrous like situation for that to happen. We still don't really we haven't seen Jason Tatum yet. We haven't seen Harry Giles yet. Um, you know, Tatum's only a matter of probably few games. Giles a little bit more up in the air. There's rumors or rumblings, I should say, that he might not play at all. We'll see. Did you read that article? Um, was it by? It was, it was somebody who was asking GMs like what they thought Harry Giles should do, and they basically all said if he doesn't play at all, he's a guaranteed lottery pick as long as he checks out with our doctors. Right. And there were guys that were saying if he comes back, he's still in the mix to go number one if he dominates and checks out well with our doctors. If he, uh, no, like if he if he, you know, suffers that injury again, he might fall out of the first round. Um, and they basically said that the best thing for him to do, which is not necessarily the best thing for Duke, would be to kind of do what Kyrie did, where he came back and like played a little bit but it wasn't much and just kind of you know shut it down yeah Um, i think that's kind of what we could see like he'll he'll come back show just enough that he's like all right i'm still good and then kind of just kind of ride off into the sunset at all no i don't think uh duke would either no certainly not um quickly on Giannis, huge game on tuesday (laughs) the hype the cavaliers Giannis hype is 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 that a fever pitch right now yeah um it's it's gotten out of hand. <laughs> it really has. One game, he is now all of a sudden he's the best player in the league. No, I mean it was in- incredible. Like arguably the best game he's played as a pro. Yeah. Thirty four, twelve, five, five, and two. Did have six turnovers. A couple of those were offensive fouls and whatever. Um, but I think what impressed most people was one that it came against the Cavs. Two that you know he wasn't scared to to go at LeBron. He was matched up on him for a lot of the night. LeBron struggled. The Cavs struggled in this game. Jr. You know, did probably the the most peak Jr. thing that we've seen yeah. from him in a while, at least in a Cavs uniform. Um, but I mean, I, I just want people to slow down a little bit on Giannis. Like, I don't, I don't know that one game can make you know this big turning point in his career. And like, he's been having these games every every so often. They just haven't often come against the Cavaliers. You know, on a night when a lot of people apparently were watching on League Pass. He. Like I've seen, we've seen him more than I think most people who are freaking out about him have, and he's going to be like one of the. At some point, he's going to be one of the five best players in the league. I I think that that's the trajectory that he's on. He's twenty one. Yeah, 
He'll get but, there. But it's not like this is something where every single night he's just going in there and it's just a force of will and he's a, a killer and all this stuff. Like he, you know, there will be stretches of every game where he dominates and there will be stretches of every game where he's like pretty quiet and uh, it's just, you know, he's, he's still growing. And I think people, like two years ago, everyone overreacted to Anthony Davis Coming into this year, I think everyone overreacted to Carl Anthony Towns. Yes. And now this is kind of Giannis's turn for everyone to overreact to him. And just everyone just kind of pump the brakes. When right. everyone starts, like, having this reaction, you should just automatically say, mm-hmm. okay, a year from now, right. that's when he's actually going to do the, this. The biggest like, thing is the consistency for me. Is like, yeah. yeah, 34, 12, 5, 5, and 2 is an incredible line. Like, five players in the last, like, 30 years have had that line. Uh, but then you look a couple games back, you know, 14 points in a blowout loss to Miami. You know, like the great, great players don't have those games. Like they don't, they don't get blown out, you know, by 23 points to a terrible heat team and, you know, score 73 points as a team. Like getting to that point where it's not just an every 10 games he wows you situation is what's the next step for him. Now, now that we've told everyone to pump the brakes, a couple questions. Does he have a five by five this year? Hmm. I, I mean, obviously the odds are against him, but like if anybody's going to do it, it's him. Sure, why not? Does he have a six by six? <laughs> if he has a five by five, like it, they're not, he's not going to have a five by five and then a six no, by six. Like I'm they, saying, like will the five by five be a six? Like where's this going to stop? Like is he going to have a twelve by twelve? <laughs> well, I was going to ask. What you is six? Like the, the turnovers? <laughs> well, or no, I mean uh, a six by uh, five. A f- uh, would it be five by six? Yeah, five, five by. Five I, by I don't know I which that's comes first when you're talking. To me. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, yeah, I have six turnovers. Sure. <laughs> ten by ten. No. <laughs> um, okay, now is he going to ever have a quadruple double? No, ten blocks is a lot of blocks for somebody who's not just that's camping. He's not just camping out in the paint. You know, quadruple doubles are like my favorite like NBA performance that, that's possible. I feel like he'd almost just... be more likely to do it with steals. Which would be a, a crazy not, amount of steals. Or, okay. Yeah, just like maybe. he's just not like has a non-center ever had a five by five? See, I don't know. I think I think you need or the a, for a tr- I think you need double. the quad. I think you need the blocks to be it in the quadruple double because you need one of those plays where you get like three blocks. Right. On exactly. The same play. You can't get three steals right. on one play. Um, so that's. I think he. I think it's possible. I think. I think five by five at this point, based on the lines we've seen through a quarter of the way through the season, I think a five by five. Uh, I would almost take if you're just saying yes or no and you got a bet, I would I would say almost say yes at this point. Yeah, I mean he's incredible. I don't want it to seem like we're piling on Giannis or anything at this point. I I mean it the the return on investment that the Bucks have gotten on that pick. I mean, he this is going to be assuming nothing tragic happens, god freaking forbid. Um I mean that this is one going to go down as one of the all-time greatest draft picks and maybe in like in any sport and that seems like kind of a big claim to make but i mean yeah. think he was literally thon maker like thon no i think thought Giannis was maybe even more of an obscure off the wall pick than thon maker was well well thon maker doesn't go 10 without Giannis sure. happening probably so uh yeah i mean but I like think, if the bucks don't also, take him how how far does he fall also think about that draft like, yeah it was a terrible draft like that's how little people thought of Giannis that he went 15th in one of the worst draft classes of all time. That might be an all-time bottom five. And it's a great draft. It's a great draft to look back on because the three best players from that draft are Giannis, CJ McCollum, and Rudy Gobert. 
and they all like what what does McCom go like? Ten. Ten. Then Giannis fifteen. Gobert goes in the second round. And those are your three best players yeah. from the draft. The only player from the lottery who you feel like probably really good about is Oladipo. I mean, like you have Porter, Zeller, Noel, KCP are all in the same tier to me as like, yeah, they're gonna be fifteen year NBA players. Mm-hmm. They're good. Like you got yeah, you did fine. But I mean, like, do you think Minnesota regrets taking Trey Burke? Do you, <laughs> Steven Adams was at twelve. That was a fine pick. Do you think Utah? I guess I guess it was ended up being Minnesota's pick. Regrets taking Shabazz at fourteen. Yeah, uh, some some rough picks there. Yeah, um, I mean, if you redraft, Giannis is far and away number one, right? Yeah, and it's it's Time hilarious yeah. because uh, so like the the seventy sixers, right? Like. Their whole thing in that that rebuild was just trying to land a superstar, right? And yet they take Noel over Giannis when it's like obviously hindsight extremely twenty twenty here. But like I at no point I think did anyone ever think Noel Noel could ever turn into a superstar. Uh, and then like the Jaleel Okafor over Porzingis one, that's another one where it's like you're sort of there were guys on the board still with superstar potential. Like they, they had their chances at landing a superstar through right. that process. And, um, you know, now that they well, that just shows the risk when we talk about, you know, boogie and wall and these like superstar for picks deals, like yeah. getting the Brooklyn picks sounds awesome. Like, Oh, you have these top, yeah. you know, what are probably going to be top five picks, but it's no guarantee. Like this year it, it is legitimately close to foolproof. If you promise me it's a top five pick, I think, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so too. But, but like in in most years, it's not at all. But even so, it's like what are the chances that all each of the top five picks in this draft end up being perennial all stars? Like, still not that great, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. I'm not saying I don't like any of those guys. It's just the odds are not all five are going to become like a plus assets. You know, right? Uh, I mean the the chance to get the number one pick always has to be factored into yep. the the valuation because. Uh, that's typically uh, a franchise-changing uh, piece, but yep. Um, okay, so let's talk negativity. Five teams in the worst position for the next five years are the Nets, the unanimous number one. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell you put a lot of thought into this. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I thought that we were doing this next week. Oh no, no. Okay, we can do it right week. now. Okay. Um, I'm gonna. Figure this out. Yeah. I, so the Nets are one. Obviously, the Nets are one. I have, uh, I think the Kings are two. Dallas is right there, though. I'm going to say the Kings are two. Okay. Because I think ownership matters. And, like, I just don't trust the Kings to do the rebuild properly. Whereas I trust that if the Mavericks go into a rebuild, they'll do it the right way. And Dallas has also proven to be Rick Carlisle. Yes. It's proven to be a much better free agent destination. Um, New Orleans, I thought about with that spot. They're basically in the same spot as Sacramento. You have the one piece. Uh, That piece is a little bit less volatile, I guess, than Boogie Cousins is. And it's probably a slightly higher upside piece. Um, But you don't have anything else. And your management is very questionable. So this is a really tough calculus because you're basically saying a team with one of the five, one of the three best long-term assets in the league 
yeah. is one of the three worst uh, chances to to win a ring. In the next well, that's because they're they're years. on this weird clock. And I, um, but I get it. I get it. I mean, yeah. I think it's really really hard to see the scenario where they turn it around. What do they do? Like, do do you mortgage Davis and just try to get back as I many assets you as you can? Just have to hope that a free agent picks you for no other reason than they want to play with Anthony Davis. I think that's like your only chance. But they're in they're in that Sacramento uh, boat where it's a very unpopular free agent destination. The ownership's terrible. Um, yeah, I think that they I, – I actually think they're in a worse spot than Dallas, to okay. be honest. Yeah, like you said, I, I totally agree with what you said about Dallas um, and the faith that you put in that ownership. I mean, the thing is they haven't had to do a rebuild mm-hmm. in like 16 years. Um, but I think the combination of Cuban and, and just the culture that they build and Carlisle will, will be fine in the long term. I mean, they're going to have some rough years coming up, but I think they'll do it right. Um, but, yeah, Brooklyn, New Orleans, Sacramento, and Dallas are – Dallas four, yeah. Okay. Now, those, are, those are my solidified you know, four. Like you, you couldn't argue me out of those. So I think – I think I'd put Washington, Orlando, and um, and Memphis as three ones that I would consider for that fifth spot. Memphis is interesting. I totally see where you're coming from there. Orlando is probably my fifth. I think they they have some assets. They're just all on weird timelines. Like, is can you even call Serge Ibaka an asset when he's expiring? Like, you no. have Biz, and it's like, I don't know how don't good think, Biz really is. I don't think Serge Ibaka or Busevich or Bayonne. You whiffed on Hazonia. He's just a nothing. And I think Alfred Payton is not, like, he's, he's going to be in the NBA for at least a few more years, but not as a above-average player at his position. No. Uh Gordon is something you also don't trust anyone making decisions there. Right. Anyone. <laughs> anyone. <laughs> I trust the people making decisions in Memphis. I'm just worried about where they're going to get the talent from. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, Washington, at least we laid out earlier a blueprint for right. them. They to, have assets. Like right, I, I has, right. I'm hesitant to put a team like Washington would, who has like two nice assets in the bottom like that because even if you don't end up rebuilding with them, you can at least use them to leverage something. Okay. And let's, like let's, the reason Sacramento's in here and the reason New Orleans is in here because they haven't proven capable of doing that. All right, so let's do let's do Orlando at five. Then. Okay. That's, that's consensus. Five. Consensus five. Okay, sounds good. All right, well that'll wrap it up. Um, the three amigos will be back on Friday. We'll have a full recap of Lonzo Ball versus the Kentucky Wildcats next week. Uh, I'm going to Indianapolis, watching the Big Ten title game. I know Minnesota football. I don't think plays this week. Are they they're not playing for the title game, are they? Nope, they're not. Okay. Um, well, what's your pick, Wisconsin or Penn State? Uh, Wisconsin. All right, thank you. I appreciate that. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.